Hello, and welcome to episode one of Learning at Work, a podcast about how learning happens in the workplace. Doug Weitz and I co-founded Cultivate Me to help people and organizations use their everyday work as a platform for growth, both as professionals and as people. Each week, Doug and I discuss whatever topics we're wrestling with, and we try to help each other sort out, articulate, and clarify these ideas, and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. In this first episode, we dig into the idea of dynamic quality. It's impossible to describe what that means here in the introduction, so you'll need to listen to the whole episode. But the idea comes from a brilliant book that I read this summer. This book is Leela by Robert Piercic, who also wrote Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Leela is a massive intellectual achievement. It's the kind of book that fundamentally changes the way you see the world. I'm probably going to read it five more times and try to really understand it. But suffice to say that the ideas in this book and the idea of dynamic quality in particular really resonated with the work that Doug and I have been doing for years, trying to understand how human beings learn, grow, and build fluency. Now, this is our very first episode, so you're going to hear us stumbling around a bit here as we explore this idea. It even gets a wee bit NSFW at one point, so if you have kids with an earshot, you might want to put some headphones on. But if it seems meandering and a little disjointed, I promise you that it all snaps together in the end. And in my humble opinion, the payoff is worth it. But enough with the introductions and caveats. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss, or if you have questions, or you just want to connect, you can always send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. And now on to the show. Hi, Doug. Hey, Gabe. Here we are. Episode one. Yes. Um, so you and I had a list of things we wanted to cover and figure out where this goes. Um, do we need to say what this is about or maybe we just start talking? I think we just kind of start talking. But all right. I mean, the, the thing that you put on your on the list is by far the most complicated thing that we're going to talk about on any episode of this podcast. I think. <laughs> I don't so, think so. Uh, I, maybe. So, I mean, just in what you were writing down, I was like, what is that? What is that? What is that? So I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, uh, all right. You're too kind. Well, you, well, so what is it called? First of all. Yeah. That's a great question. So you and I uh, operate within the world of, of workplace learning, right? We help or organizations design, growth cultures that, that systematically develop their people. And I went on vacation recently and finally had time to just read a book, like a deep book that takes attention. And the, and I was so excited this by is it. Book, right? I can't see you. Ah, why no, no, no. I can't. I just have too many windows open. There oh. you are. There. I still can't see it. Cause there it's gotta be right in front of you, man. There. there. Yes. Leela. That's right. Otherwise, Zoom, <laughs> Zoom hides it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the book is called Leela by Robert Piercig. And if anyone's ever heard of uh, the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Classic. same guy. This is the sequel to that. And um, you and I have, have worked really hard and, uh, and worked with a lot of people 
and organizations and different cultures to develop a sort of methodology of how learning truly happens in the workplace, in a social setting, in the individual mind. And I was just, I was just floored by how much what this guy describes in the book resonates with what the ideas that we have been working on for so long. And the book, uh, I think the subtitle is An Inquiry into Morals, but it's a novel. It's a story about this, uh, this woman named Leela and this guy who has a sailboat and they're sailing down the Hudson. But what it is ultimately is a treatise on metaphysics. Oh my God. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> and it's it's hard to describe how brilliant and how layered this book is. And I've only read it once. And the people that recommend it to me are like, I have read it nine times and I find Ooh. something new in it every single time. Um, but <laughs> I don't know where to start with this. It's like, how does the universe work? And you're like, well, there are these things called quarks. You know, no, like, you I don't know. This, you, you, you described this one thing. What did you call it? Like uh, um, values, right? Val yeah, you... yeah, value. So, uh, well, so what I want to talk about. Yeah. Focus, Jack. Your objective yeah. is the bus. <laughs> what I want to talk about is dynamic quality and static quality. What are those concepts and how do they relate to learning in the workplace? So we're going to take like <laughs> performance management and get metaphysical on it. Right. Um, I'm ready. I, I just okay. coffee. That makes one of us. Here I we go. Here. Yeah. So, um, so <clears throat> at the, the fundamental layer of the book is like the Aristotelian way of thinking. Is that what you say when Aristotle. it comes from Aristotle? Right. Is like this subject object metaphysics. There are objects in the world. Those are the things that we see, you know, like our desk and an apple and a coffee mug and a deer right? And then there are subjects who perceive those things, and that's us. Yes. And there's been this real long debate. Uh, I don't know if it's a debate or if it's just a conundrum of like quality and value, and where does it reside? Does it reside in the object? Is that a good deer or a bad deer? Or does it reside in the subject? I think the deer is good or bad, right? It makes me Reminds me of Shakespeare, right? Things are neither good nor bad. Thinking makes them so. Well, beauty and is in the eye of the behold. Exactly, right? And um, he's, uh, Piercig explains in this book that like that's the wrong way of thinking about it, that, that what we're describing is value, right? Is it good? Is it bad? Or what he says is, is quality, right? Is that a quality deer? Is that a quality apple? Is that a quality coffee mug? And wait, he says that- wait, Hold on, turn out for one second. Yeah. Um, is it just binary? It's like good or bad or quality or not quality, or is it like a spectrum? It's neither. That question doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was, so mean. I, <laughs> I'm only saying that because, because there's actually like a line in the book where he's like a truly brilliant theory doesn't answer the question. It makes you realize the question shouldn't have been asked in the first place, oh. which still sounds totally mean. So <laughs> I'm, I'm being such a jerk right now. <laughs> what I'm really doing is just like gazing at my own 
inability to wrap my head around this and articulate it um, fully, completely. Um, but what he's saying is actually quality comes first and then the subjects and objects. Imagine this. You stick your hand on a hot stove. Yeah. And what do you do next? Ouch. And you, you physically, you do what? Ow. Jump back. You take your hand off that mm-hmm. stove, right? Yes. Did well, yes. There, right? Did you sit there and intellectualize it? Hmm. I smell burning flesh. There's, a, <laughs> there's an uncomfortable sensation in my hand, right? Like, you don't have this sort of intellectual discovery process that determines your actions. You just know immediately, this is a very low quality situation that I'm in right now. Uh, <laughs> and you remove your hand, right? Um, and so his notion is that quality from a perceptual standpoint comes before any intellectualization. We just know immediately like that's good quality, bad quality, high quality, low quality, whatever. Wait, I don't want to. But you've already changed the whole thing because you said there were objects and subjects. But what you're describing with the stove is like a situation. I thought you were going to say is the stove hot before you touch it? Of course it is. Objects are what they are before you interact with them, right? But, yeah. but then when you started talking about the situation of me touching the hot object and reacting to it, that added like a third layer of like situational. Exactly. Oh, okay. Quality is about relationships. Yes. Okay. Right? And it, and it changes for me to be submerged underwater in the ocean for 10 minutes is a highly low quality situation for me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. But for a fish it's Tuesday, right? Like it's just, it's fine. That's a very high quality situation for them. Right. So, you know, quality is about the relationship between things. Um, Let me me clarify one other thing before you move on. mm -hmm. You said originally, the objects are a desk, an apple, a deer, you know, uh, and subjects are us. But by us, you mean like any living creature. Yes. Because uh, you just yes. said fish. Yes. It gets deeper than that. Deeper than um, that? Quality, quality is consciousness. Why do we do anything? Why do we do anything? Because we have preferences, Right. Right. If I get up and I walk across the room, it's because I prefer to be on that side of the room, right? It's not like I, I have no idea why. There is no motivation. My body just got up of its own volition and moved to the other side of the room, right? Um, why do iron filings move towards a magnet? Wait, I feel like you're jumping 10 steps ahead because I know the iron filings thing and I love it. I probably am. <laughs> but wait, let's not get into iron filings yet. Um, so can I just review? Please do, please do. So what, what I think you're saying here is that there are objects, there are things in the world. I guess situate, okay, wait, there are things in the world and there are creatures or like living, I don't know, aware, uh, living things. I think but let's call them biological things, biological entities. There you go. That, biological entities that are able to interact with thing objects. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And the interaction of a subject with an object is where quality is determined. Yes. Is that right? Yes. I, we're we're going to have to accept that we're not going to fully understand the concept of quality on this call. Uh, because I don't fully understand the concept of quality. And maybe it's a great time right now for a quick little disclaimer about what I think this podcast is, is about or, or could be or should be about. And this is the place where Doug and Gabe show up to talk about things they don't fully understand yet, but are super interested in. Yes. And then the listening audience, all five of them, get to listen to us stumble through you know, the unknown, which is actually the perfect metaphor for what I'm trying to describe. So let me move past quality for a second. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, what he talks about is uh, the concept of dynamic quality and static quality. And he refers to them in terms of patterns of value. So let's just assume, let's just stay in the biological realm for right now, living entities, whether it's a deer or a human being or a platypus or a red blood cell, like they have preferences, they want things, they, 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 they perceive things that are higher value and lower value, higher quality and lower quality. And they gravitate towards these things. And over time, they like patterns emerge of like what works? How do I get quality? How do I create a life that's a life, an experience, a situation that's good for me, that I like, that works, right? Um, uh, human beings tend to live near water, right? Because uh, water is, is a good quality thing for us, generally speaking, right? Um, <clears throat> and so we start to build cities near rivers and oceans, and you know, stuff like that. So uh, in the workplace, right? We find things that work for us. Oh, if I keep, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do we do? Like the things that we do at work, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, if I keep my phone in the desk while I'm trying to get work done, I tend to be more productive, right? That becomes like a pattern of value. If I get into the office by 8.30, I find I can get a lot of my email done before the rest of the world starts to wake up. Um these, these become the ways of working, the patterns of value that increase quality for you. And so the, we kind of codify them by either writing them down or by um, turning them into laws, right? These are ways of operating that tend to give us a high quality society um, or by just making them habits, right? I tend to get up at 5.30 in the morning and make a pot of coffee and I kind of do it without thinking and it gets my day going well, at, right? So these become patterns of value um, that he calls two, two things that just static, came, static quality. Okay. All right, go ahead. Two things that came up that I just want to put a pin in. We don't necessarily have to go down it, but one is long-term versus short-term quality mm. that you're okay. after. Like when I go to brush my teeth, it's not because I want to brush my teeth particularly in the same way. Like I want a muffin you know, like when I want a muffin, like I actually want to consume that muffin only for the moment mm. because I want that moment of consuming the muffin, right? It'll mm -hmm. taste good and, and whatever. But when I brush my teeth, I'm brushing it for like long-term 
gains and avoidance of losses. Like, I don't want somebody to be like, yuck, your breath is bad. I don't want to have a cavity in six years. So I brush my teeth, but it's not like I want it. I don't desire to brush my teeth. I recognize that this is going to lead to a positive life in one way or another. You know, you, you desire to avoid dentures and cavities, yeah. right? And you have an intellectual understanding that this daily habit will lead you to that long-term quality that you want. Yeah. It's like, I know it's good for me and I don't, but, but I don't want to do it. Right. In the same way that, that like businesses desire to not be closed down by the federal government or the state government. So they roll out annual compliance trainings because it's the law and nobody's like really jazzed about doing the compliance training, but it's better than getting, it's a higher quality situation than getting closed down by the state government. Well, And, and then that's the other, so long-term versus short-term uh, quality, the pursuit of long-term versus short-term quality is a sort of another plane, I guess. And then also um, individual, the pursuit of individual quality versus the pursuit of like group, community, societal quality. Okay, so I got to introduce a quick framework here that we are not going to fully understand or explore or grok, but it, it, you're, you're tugging at the threads and I think it might clarify a few things. Said the guy who barely understands what the hell this book is saying. But anyway, there are four, what does he call them? Uh, Realms of quality or something like that. Uh, Damn it. I'll have to look it up. Um, I think he just calls them types, like patterns of value. So there are inorganic patterns of value. There are biological patterns of value. There are social patterns of value and there are intellectual patterns of value. And within each one of these individual realms, there are these sort of static patterns of value that that create quality. They all have their own sense of quality, right? Like biological quality means life, anything that promotes more life, that creates life. And the, the patterns of value that promote and create life become, become, you know, we kind of latch onto them and whatever it's like evolution, right? It's like, this tends to work really well. And so we'll keep doing more of it. And that creates life, um, at the social level, right? There are certain, um, let's call them morals, uh, or ethics of social interaction, uh, that lead to a healthy society where people get along and collaborate and create kind of safety and prosperity, as opposed to like tearing at each other's throats, like yeah. in the jungle, right? Um, same at the intellectual level. Those are ideas, laws, principles, values. Um, uh, and, then, and then at the inorganic layer would be like the laws of physics, right? That like iron filings are attracted to magnets. Um, <clears throat> and what's, what's important and fascinating to understand about those different layers is that they are not extensions of each other but they actually compete with each other. And that what represents biological quality in some cases is detrimental to social quality, right? So biological quality, sex is great, 
Everyone wants to have sex. Let's have sex all the time. But if that happened, society would crumble. It would be like chaos out there, right? And so there's these social patterns of value. Do anything except stay in bed, right? Or you know, um, overpopulate really quickly, or uh, create all sorts of biological frustrations because you know you slept with four different people and 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 forgot to pay attention to the woman that you just impregnated with your child, like. Sorry, we're getting kind of NSFW here, but like, I think it's just a great example of like, and so, you know, ethical values, moral values like monogamy and marriage were designed to help suppress that biological quality, right? Which like, if you just had sex all the time, you'd create more life and it would, you know, like expand, but it kind of destroys society. There's like a tension, like a, like a tension between the two, right? And it's one of the things that you see in historical societies when there's like severe moral decay, all this biological quality starts to emerge that creates this sort of like dog eat dog law of the jungle world. And instead of a kind of organized society where people collaborate, it starts to look more and more like, uh, you know, a nature show on the African savanna. Um, God, why did I go down that road? Um, well, we were because we were, you were, Four levels of quality. You're, well, you're talking about the individual versus the group, right? And right. I think I think that is actually a really fascinating, deep idea when it comes to organizations and companies, right? Because yes. they're 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 a social phenomenon, right? They're a social organism that still has individual desires. I don't know if I'd call them biological desires, but they're there are individuals seeking a certain kind of quality for themselves that may compete with or contradict the social quality necessary for the organization. Well, and I actually, it's funny because I mean, I know this isn't all about us talking about cultivate me, but like, it seems to me that like, that's where we sort of live in this world where like, like I, I think leaders are always trying to create, like policies and um, procedures that they perceive as treating everybody fairly Mm -hmm. often means treating everybody the same, but which, which is, is a noble pursuit because you want people to feel like things are fair, but what it ends up doing is sort of treating everybody as if they're all the same and everybody isn't the same. So being able to offer individual employees, individual team members, a way for them to pursue their individual interests and desires and goals while also maintaining a community where people feel things are fair is really hard to do, you know? Yeah, it's super hard to do. Um, And there you've got kind of, I think what you have there is the competition between intellectual patterns of value and social patterns of value, right? Intellectual being those, what I talk about with culture, right? Frameworks, practices, and tools. Like it's the frameworks. It's the sort of mental models that we have. Like these are the values. These are the procedures that we feel we should follow. These are the kind of rules and principles that we'll set up and try to adhere to because intellectually we believe that they represent quality. And then how does that affect the social layer? Does it, does it support the social layer or does it cause it to sort of spiral a little bit more out of control? 
Um, and we've you've seen you see this all the time with organizations that are like aha we're introducing a new policy, right? Um, no more no more talking politics at work, right? Maybe maybe it's become like this big thing, and Slack channels are now blowing up because you've got people on different sides of the political spectrum that are getting really nasty. Like hey, we're here to do work, right? And so they introduce this new policy. And everybody throws up their arms and it blows up in their face and it makes things even worse. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these intellectual patterns of value competing with social patterns of value. But what I really want to get to is the concept of dynamic quality versus static quality. And static quality is like the existing culture in a way. It's the, it's the patterns that over time we determined work the best that bring us quality. And so we've, codified them in some way, either by just making them habits or by actually like writing them down or putting tools in place that support those patterns of static value or static patterns of value, right? Dynamic quality is undefinable, but I think the best description of it, and I'm going to misquote this, is like a dim apprehension of something better. Oh my God, a dim apprehension of something better. So you have like a vague sense that there is something better out there. So that- you, you, that's right. And, and that like, where does innovation come from? What the, do inventors yeah, do like the pursuit, all the time? Like believing like there's gotta be a better way and then going and trying to find it. You do this all the time in your coaching, right? Where are you feeling some tension right now? Mm-hmm. You know? Is there anything that's inspiring you? And people don't really know how to articulate it often. And that's what you do, right? Is help, is help them find the words and, and gain a sharper focus on it. But it's that dim apprehension that like, man, these meetings really kind of suck lately. And I feel like if I would just maybe do this a little bit differently, they would suck less. Well, those are actually two separate things. There's like the first thing you're describing is like, something doesn't smell right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix it. I just know that it's a little off, you know? Yeah. And that could be like something about meetings or my team or one of the employees I'm working with, or it could be in myself. Like there's just something that just feels off, feels wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And that is where like it starts. It's like, okay, let's, let's pull on that and figure out what that thing really is. And then, and only then do you get into like, all right, what are you going to do about it? You know, what can we try? Right. Um, but that, 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 di- I love that. What did you, what did you call it? The dim sense? A, a dim apprehension of something better. A dim apprehension. And that, I'm probably misquoting it, but I'm pretty sure dim apprehension is. That would be a great title for this episode, I think. A dim apprehension of something better. Um, I mean, that's why we, that's why we're on the phone right now doing this on the phone, whatever. That's why we're talking right now. Cause we're like, I feel like there's something interesting that I want to talk to you about and try to understand it better. Uh, I feel like if we started making a podcast and recording our conversations, it would lead to something better. Like we have this dim apprehension. That's where Iris came from. It's like, right. It's like, I, I kind of saw some, some uh, 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 data viz charts. And I was like, I feel like there's a connection between this and like the challenges I'm having as a, like a workplace learning guy. And maybe there's a connection and you start to explore it, you know, 
it, it, you know what it makes me visualize is um, vines. Like if you see a wisteria bush or some ivy, they always have, if you look closely, there's always these little, what would you call them? Stems. They're like fingers that just stick straight out in crazy directions, feeling around like, is there a branch over here? Can I grab onto something over here? Right. And they're like, look, and then when they find something like, aha, and they latch onto it. And then the vine starts to grow more and more. Yeah. They're like little scouts that the scouts leader sends out, you know, that's it. That's it. And so Actually, there was that, that, that reminds me of this cool thing we used to do in college. They were called um, uh, uh, hash races. So like, you know, a hash on a tree, when you go hiking in the woods, that shows you you're on the trail. Okay. You know? So what, right. so the, the people who organized it would just like go out in the woods and make a trail by just putting hashes on the trees. But the, uh-huh. but the, the, from one hash to the next hash was like pretty far. You couldn't like okay. the next one like you would on an organized trail. So your team would basically find a, a hash and go, okay, everybody go out in different directions. And like all 10 of you would go in 10 different directions. And when one of you saw a hash, you'd go on trail. And like everybody would come over to that person. I mean, you're describing lean startup methodology right (laughs) it's like let's run a bunch of different experiments and when one of them starts to work we shut the others down and we double down on that and then we look at that and we go okay what what's the you know what's the unclear thing here the next step let's run a bunch of experiments around that and see which one works right and it's um i'm looking through this book trying to find this quote because it's driving me mad oh i found it mankind is driven forward by a dim apprehensions of things too obscure for its existing language. Oh my God. A. N. Whitehead wrote that. <laughs> too obscure for its existing language. We, I can't articulate it. I have a sense of quality, right? It's like a child that puts his hand on the stove and pulls it off. And you're like, oh my God, what happened? But it's a, it's a baby. Yeah. Right. They have no idea how to describe it. They don't have the words. They don't know the concept of heat or stove or burning flesh. Low. The experience quality was low. They just like, that's a low quality situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking my hand off it. Right. Well, but on, on a more grown up uh, level, I do this all the time when I'm like, Gabe, I feel like I have something of value to say but I can't sit alone in a room and figure out what it is by myself. Can we talk on the phone so I can work through it and you just listen. And then by the end, I will have figured it out. That's right. And you're doing that. God bless you. You're doing that for me right now. And we just pressed record. (laughs) And so, so, but, but think about that child, right? That's a great example. The child puts its hand on the stove, low quality, takes it away, has no words for it. But now it started to make some associations, right? Mm, that thing over there in that part of the kitchen hurts my hand. I think I will stay away. Yeah. Right. That's now a pattern of value. And so that's going from dynamic quality, right? Low quality is like the front sort of knife edge of experience that you can't really articulate. And now you're latching onto it and creating a pattern around it. And so now he's got this little program that runs in his head to use a sort of software metaphor of like, 
kitchen stove equals hot. Although he doesn't even say he doesn't have the words. He just knows place over there in in food room. Hurts hand. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. And, right. And so that becomes this sort of rule that he internalizes. And the same thing happens at work. And that's it, like it occurs to me that this is the pattern that we have built a methodology around when you talk about um, the coaching that you do, journeys, reflections, um, uh, uh, commits, right? There's that, there's that sense, there's that dim apprehension of like, how do you want to get better? What's something in your work world that's either bothering you or exciting you? And you can't quite articulate it yet. And you talk through it and you kind of establish a journey. Here's the direction I think I want to go to your trail game, yeah. right? To, to uh, uh, re Referencing back to that, right? Yeah. I, I think I want to go in this direction. And I'm pretty sure that when I get there, this is what my world will be like. Great. Let's get started, you know? And then commits are like, here's what I think I should do this week. Again, it's a sort of, sense of dynamic quality, a dim apprehension. I think I'm going to try this for a week and I'm going to see how it works, you know, uh, and if it moves me closer to that destination and, and then they're going to articulate. And then reflecting is, is again, it's, it's, it's moving from an, a, a, a dim apprehension of things too obscure for your existing language to trying to find a language that articulates that and turning it into a static pattern of value. They're like, aha, this is something that creates greater quality for me. I'm going to write it down or I'm going to behave differently or I'm going to find a tool that helps support me in doing this thing more often uh, or, or, or faster or whatever. And so that's, that's what learning is. That's what growth is, is this constantly sort of sensing around the world like a vine for higher quality that you can't quite figure out and then having a process for articulating and codifying that into a static pattern of how you operate. Yes. Okay. It is time. It's time. For us to ship. So I think we could continue with this one at some other point, but let's stop it for today and uh, put this out there in the world and see what happens. Bless you, sir, for being such a great listener. Well, there you have it. The very first episode of Learning at Work. I hope you found it fun and insightful. And if you want to learn more about the Cultivate Me method of turning jobs into journeys, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz or send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.